Section 43 of the Fairchild Family. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Larry Wilson. The Fairchild Family by Mary Martha Sherwood. Farewell to the Old Home. Michaelmas was the time fixed for their all moving to the grove, and leaving that sweet place which was the only one the children had learned to love. Mrs. Fairchild had let August pass without saying much to her children about the moving, though she and Mr. Fairchild had been busy with many settlements. Mr. Fairchild had been at the grove again, and come back again. He had settled that John was to have a part of the large garden under his care, and that no one was to meddle with him, and that he was to take charge of the old horse and carriage, and to go out with the children when they went abroad in it. Henry was to have leave to go to John, when he wished to work in the garden. Mrs. Fairchild fixed on Betty to wait upon the children. She knew that they must have a maid, and she soon settled who that maid should be. "'I know Betty,' she said and I know I may trust her with my children. Miss Tilney was very angry when she heard of this. Well, to be sure, she said, so Betty is turned into a young lady's governess. Who couldn't have thought it? How very ridiculous some people are. When September came, Mrs. Fairchild reminded her children how near the time was come, and that they must think of preparing to move. When Lucy and Emily heard this, which they did one morning at breakfast, they could not help shedding a few tears. Their mother sent them out into the fresh air, saying she would have no lessons that morning, but giving no particular reason. The little girls were glad to be left to themselves, and they put on their bonnets and walked out, taking their way to the hut in the wood. It may be supposed what they talked of, they talked of the change that was coming, and the time which was gone. They made each other cry more by trying to remember things which had happened in every single place they passed through. They went as far back as the time when Mr. Fairchild used to carry Henry in his arms when they went out, and only now and then set him down to walk. They had a story belonging to almost every tree, to the brook and the bridge, to each little path, and many for the hut at the end of their walk. In this hut they sat down and began to ask each other what neither could answer, whether it was likely they should ever come back to that dear place. It is Papa's, we know, said Lucy. But then he will let the house, and we don't know who will have it. People always let houses which they don't live in, he said one day that he shouldn't let it, but, uh, said Lucy with a deep sigh, I do not think we ought to cry so much. If Grandmamma sees our eyes red and asks the reason, we shall be obliged to tell her, and then she will think we do not like going with her. Oh, Henry does not mind going, said Emily. He likes it now, John is to go. 
they were talking in this way and had not yet succeeded in quite stopping themselves from crying when they thought they heard a voice from the wood on the other side of the brook they listened again and plainly heard these words lucy emily where are you they came out to the mouth of the hut and listened but they could not hear the voice again then there came the sound of steps and they were frightened and ran back into the hut the steps were heard more plainly as they pattered over the bridge and not a minute afterwards who should appear before the hut but bessie goodrich she was quite out of breath and all in a glow with running her hair all in disorder and her bonnet at the very back of her head she could not speak for a moment but her face was bright with joy lucy and emily ran to her and kissed her and said how she had frightened them oh poor little things she answered you would not do to be lost in the wood on a dark night but i am come to tell you it is all settled though to be sure you know it already i am so glad my aunt is so glad no more chimneys to come down and clatter over our heads and then you know you can come whenever you like and oftener the more welcome and stay as long as you like the longer the better and will have such pleasure in taking care of your poor old women the pincushion and the housewife woman i mean but i am much afraid that i shall not make up your loss good little things as you are i shall never manage it but i must try i hope i have got the good will though i have nothing else in this place bessie stopped for actual want of breath what is it said lucy what do you mean dear bessie what is it don't you know how strange no it is not neither mr fairchild said he should not tell you till it was settled and so there can be no harm in telling it and are you not delighted you don't look delighted your papa said that there could be nothing which would please you so much but what is it asked the little girls how can we be delighted when we do not know what it is have i not told you asked bessie i thought i told you at first why we are to live in this place and take care of it and see that everything is kept in order every tree and every bench and everything you love oh how you stare added bessie how round your eyes are uh, i don't mean this hut do you think i meant that my aunt and i were to live in it and take care of the benches the house the house answered lucy with a cry of joy are you and mrs goodrich to have the house and the garden and to take care of the poor people and the school and the hut and the arbor and the benches and our little room and the parlor and the roses oh bessie bessie dear bessie ah oh, now i am glad indeed and we will come to you here and you shall come to us there oh emily emily i am so happy the gentle eyes of emily sparkled as brightly as lucy's did when she heard this news though she said little but she whispered to her sister the next minute now lucy we should not have cried so much it was not right lucy answered aloud 
no emily we should not but i hope that we shall cry no more if the whole world had been picked we could not have found any people we like so well to live here as mrs goodrich and bessie aunt is in the house she has come to spend the day here and mr fairchild sent me here to look for you and we shall come in when you go out and things are to be left as they are now only a few to be moved aunt will sell her rubbish furniture and we are to be so tidy and i am to have your little room and bed and you will feed poor robin said emily he has come every winter for a great many years and he knows that window but you must shut it after you have put out the crumbs for fear of the cat he knows us and he will soon know you as the three girls walked back to the house they were quite busy in telling and hearing what things were to be attended to lucy and emily felt like people who have had a tight cord bound over their hearts and that cord had been suddenly cut and they were loose the three weeks which followed that day were a time of great bustle on one evening all the children of the school came and had tea in the field behind the barn and mrs goodrich and bessie came that they might get acquainted with them another day all the old people whom the children loved were invited to dinner and mrs goodrich came also to make their acquaintance no one went away without some useful gift but these meetings and partings were sad and made some wish they were in that blessed state in which there shall be no more sorrow nor any more tears mary bush the nurse and marjorie however said that if mr and mrs fairchild must go they could not have chosen any one they should have liked so well as mrs goodrich all this bustle caused the few last days in the home of their childhood to pass more easily with the little girls but when they rose for the last time from that bed in which they had slept so long as they could remember they both felt a sadness which they could not overcome the breakfast was to be at an early hour but early as it was mrs goodrich and bessie had come before it was ready they were to return again to their old house for a day or two but they wished to see the last of their dear friends before their departure mr summers also came in immediately after breakfast the coach from the grove also arrived at the same time with mr summers for the horses and the coachman had rested during the night in the village old mrs fairchild always liked to be driven by the man she knew and drawn by the horses she had often proved and they were to travel slowly and be three days on the road henry came flying in when the coach arrived and lucy and emily ran up once more to their little room to cry again bessie followed them to comfort them though she herself was very sad john truman who was at the house with his wife to take care of it till mrs goodrich took possession now brought out the old horse and carriage in which john and betty were to travel and there was a great deal of packing and settling before anybody got in for there were nine persons to go the two mrs fairchilds the two little girls went inside the coach mr fairchild sat with henry in an open seat in the back and mrs johnson was to go with betty john and the magpie in the old carriage it was large and of the old fashion when the old lady had taken her place 
Lucy and Emily were called. They kissed Bessie again, and Henry reminded her of the robin. Then they ran down and kissed Mrs. Goodrich, and without looking round at any dear tree or window, or garden seat or plot of flowers, they sprang into the coach and felt for the first time that riding in their father's carriage was no cure for an aching heart. Their hearts ached, and their eyes continued to flow with tears till they had passed the village and left it at some distance behind them. But as they were dragged slowly up the steep hill beyond the village, they took courage and looked out, and could just see a number of persons standing beneath the beech trees on the top of the round hill. Someone was waving something white, and Henry was answering it by waving his handkerchief. Tears soon blinded the eyes of the little girls, and they drew back again into the coach, and did not look out again till they had got beyond the places which they had been well acquainted with in the young happy days which were now shut up in the past. When we leave a place which we have long lived in and much loved, how very soon do all the things which have passed begin to seem like dreams and visions, and how will this life with all its pains and pleasures, troubles and distresses, seem to us when death is swallowed up in victory, and we shall be with the Saviour where our sorrows never more can come? End of section 43 End of the Fairchild Family by Mary Martha Sherwood